I'm Buddy Martin, and this is the Best Fridays in Football podcast with Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw. Well, I'm Buddy Martin, standing by just a moment. Urban Meyer joins us. We'll talk about a lot of things going on in this country. Not all of them sports, but sports-related. This program now coming to you courtesy of Meldon Law, a Gator Bait Lighthouse members, the Ocala Quarterback Club, and Renstar Medical Research. And with that, we'll bring in the coach, Urban Meyer, who is, uh, I believe, back in Ohio. Coach, it's good to talk to you again. Glad to be able to do this every Friday, and it's an honor and a privilege. Yeah, I'll always look forward to it, buddy. Thank you. Let's get right into the heart of things. Uh, the joy of football has been blunted somewhat, obviously, by all the things going on around us. And I know it's very important when you're a coach to keep your players focused and upbeat. This is a tough go for a lot of athletes right now, and coaches are trying to be sympathetic and understanding, but it's uh, it's it's difficult. And I know you've thought about it, and some of your contemporaries have thought about it, and Dan Mullen talked this week about it, how he's learned things. And so just explain to us, Urban, what it's like in a tenuous situation when you know you're going to lose focus on what's in front of you because there are things happening outside which are life and death. Well, buddy, I've always been singular focused, uh, and I know Dan Mullen is because that's we grew up together in the coaching profession, and I can speak on behalf of Ryan Day. And I would happily actually say that coaches that have great success are because they're singular focused, and that's their athletes, that's their players, the student athletes, because if you're focused on something else, at some point you'll get exposed and you'll fail. Because players are too smart, and players uh, and recruits and families they want people that are going to fight for them. They want people focused on them. And that's what's the heartbreaking thing about what's happened in the last couple of weeks, certainly in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, it's over. That they, the, the season is going to be delayed or pushed back or maybe not even happen. And you see people like Ryan Day and even I give Scott Frost credit. And I know they were criticized for saying, hey, we're going to go do this, go you know, leave the conference. And do I blame them? Not at all. I would have done the same thing. You, you have one obligation to me, and that's the health and safety of your student athletes. And that's also the opportunity to prosper in a sport they love if they feel they're safe. So it, it's a difficult time. Uh, it, I don't think me or you are in a position to say what's right or wrong because we really don't know the ins and outs of the decision that was made. Uh, however, it is absolutely heartbreaking. And to see coaches fight for their players, I applaud that. Yeah, I know that uh, in his presser this week, Dan Mullen talked about uh, the issues of letting players express themselves, learning about diversity. Uh, you have a really good story about this. He talked about what he learned in Utah when he coached with you out there. We've discussed on this show already a couple of times. And I think what Dan said most of all was resonated with me is that how much he has learned in the last two months about other people. That's a constant vigilance, isn't it? It is, and I think one of the great skills of a leader is to listen, especially if you really know uh, experience or concept of what's going on. And, and for me, I moved out to Utah, and the story you might be telling is I was, you know, uh, Utah was only about 30% university of uh, the Mormon religion. You get down there, Provo, and it's 80 to 90%. However, 
one third of our team or more were Mormon athletes. So the thing, I went to the general conference, friends with Orrin Hatch. I read books about the Mormon religion. I talked to friends and colleagues. I actually did fireside chats. Uh, not that I was really interested in becoming a Mormon, but I think just the respect of the people, the families, the culture that you do that. Same thing with the Polynesian families. I got on a plane and flew to uh, Samoa. Why? Uh, because I wanted to learn more about their culture. One third of my team were Samoan Tongan players. And then in 2000, and I want to say maybe 17, when the whole Colin Kaepernick grabbing knee and, and the issues that were going on across America with the uh, social uh, injustices and the protest, I wanted to learn and listen. Because certainly we all have opinions, but to say that I've experienced racism, I have not. The first time I was actually exposed and really learned of it was when I first got to Florida when Charlie Strong was telling me the story that he could go. There's certain areas of the state he would not go at certain times of the day. And I looked, I could not believe I heard that. Yet I wanted to learn more. So I, I think Dan Mullen, A+. Plus. Learn, listen, and then once you learn and listen, then you can give your opinion. Before that... It's hard to give your opinion because you don't know. Herman, share the story that you once told me, and I think you put it in your book, about when you first saw your team in Utah collectively in a meeting and how they gathered together in groups really to, by, by race, you know, by religion, whatever. You had LDS, you had Catholics, you had Mormons, you had polys and whatever in this group, and they tended to sit together, as I recall, and you literally forced them to break it up and mix and, and mix and mingle, and it, because you didn't want to have a picture of people sitting by groups. Yeah, I, I've always believed in team. I've never, you know, one time in my entire career have I really heard or seen in the athletic realm people treated differently because of race or because of their, uh, you know, culture or their church religion. You know, I, I've never seen that. I don't believe in that. I. I never witnessed that, you know, primarily it was uh, black and white, you know, black athletes and white athletes. And you became brothers. We always talked about the brotherhood, you know, on fourth and one against your rival. No one cares really what church you go to or, you know, they respect it. And I, I've never really witnessed that. And I get hired at Utah. and We owe those champion dinners that we used to do at Bowling Green. And, and then we took them to Florida and Ohio State. And I, I remember walking outside, of, it was at my house, and everyone was segregated. You know, you had the Mormons sitting together, you had the Polynesian kids sitting together, you had black kids sitting together, white kids sitting together, some Hispanic kids. And I remember just almost had to step back, and I've never witnessed that before. And so we went on a mission to, you know, to move beyond all that. I don't think it was much intent to it. However, I saw it, and the team was really struggling. And so we went on a mission just to about respect to learn about each other's culture. I used to do these things and the we call bleeding on each other. We had people open up about their background, about how they grew up, where they grew up. And you saw this team that was segregated become, you know, the ultimate team, which in 2014, that was the ultimate team. And the Polynesian kids, the black kids, the white kids, you know, the non-Mormon, everybody put everything aside and became the, this ultimate team that went undefeated. We had an incident happen this week uh, regarding Jacob Blake and another one of those horrific things that you just don't want to see or believe that it really did happen, and yet it did. Uh, and 
One of the things that people are battling with is trying to understand why it happens. Also, I'm trying to understand why there's looting, et cetera, et cetera. I, was, I asked a couple of friends of mine. One of them is Ben Troop, former All-American tight end at Florida, played in the NFL a number of years. And I asked him to help educate me. And we've had several conversations about that. And he has really been helpful to me. And we're going to play later in the show a bite from Ben I talked to last night. But one of the things he said resonated with me is, we don't feel like people see us or hear us. And I think this, res- this is the cry of a, many, many African-Americans who want to be seen, not just as a basketball player or entertainer, but as a human being. And, um, you know, that's, you're a psychologist major. You get that. Uh, and I see that, and I wonder, why does this keep happening, and how long can we go before something's done about it? And this is the, this is the forever question. How do you feel about what is happening now? Kenosha, of course, the situation happened there with uh, Jacob Blake uh, shot in front of his kids. Of course, there was also the other side. We haven't heard all that yet with the policemen. But when you when you talk about things like that, or people ask you, Irvin, what do you say? Well, I grew up in an environment where law enforcement was the ultimate authority, and you show great respect. Uh, I was a product of my environment, and I, I still remember when police officers would come in school, and you, you know, you give great respect. I've always done that myself. Uh, I was never been a part of anything that was anything other than that. Uh, respect on both sides. So I went through majority of my life without experiencing anything other than great relationship with law enforcement. I've had many, you know, one of the greatest young people I've ever been, Joe Gethrell, just finished his 20th year, um, around 20 years in LAPD. And his father was a retired PD. So I would ride around with him and, you know, he had, I mean, you talk about a difficult job. And then I, I really was educated that in, in during the Colin Kaepernick thing, I really sat down with my players, some leaders on our team, and, and I listened. And a player who I had great respect for told me experiences that he had grown up where law enforcement would, uh, for no reason, go after him. And I had the hardest time, I'm not saying believing him, because of course I believe, I love this guy, he's always been very honest with me, that that could actually happen. And I think we live in a society of you know, we're sinners. We're, it's a fallen world. We all, uh, there are some really bad people out there. Are there bad coaches? Certainly. Are there bad uh, uh, pastors? Are there bad radio people? Are there bad doctors? Yes. There are, is there racism out there? Yes. Um, so I wanted to learn. To give my opinion on what happened in uh, Wisconsin, I wasn't there. I saw a 20-second video that horrified me, like all of us, but I don't know the whole story. And I usually just listen uh, before I give opinions. And, and I really listen. On, you, you say both sides. That's the, that's the bad thing. When you start saying there's two different sides to us, you know, there shouldn't be two different sides. There should be the fact that police act a certain way and individuals act a certain way. And there's got to be respect on both sides. So uh, I'm really saddened. My heart is broken about this is happening. But... I think the most important thing is you better sit back, learn, and listen, especially if you have not experienced that in your life. Well, one thing we promised to do on this podcast together was be honest uh, and talk about things and have tough conversations. 
they're not very popular. A lot of people turn on the TV and, or whatever and say, I want to hear about my ball game, my team, whatever. I don't want to hear this talk. But how do you feel about that? I mean, you do a sh- national show with Fox, the big news show, uh, which will, in a couple of weeks will start it again. And how do you feel about it when does these topics come up and how much do you think this group will address those? Well, just think about your friendships that you have, relationships with people. This is such a volatile conversation, uh, very divisive. It's going to come up. You know, a lot of times you see people, that's who they hang with, or people that are somewhat like-minded. I know I'm much more comfortable and sitting in a like-minded conversation. However, I want to hear, and I force myself to listen. And it's real. Do I think that's the position of a Fox analyst on Saturdays? I think if I'm asked, you know, I think you got to be very respectful to all involved. Do I actually think that's my position? No, I don't. However, I've not lived a world where uh, I've experienced some of the racism and some of the other things that, so to say that an athlete doesn't have a voice, I never said that, that they certainly do. And that's individual. Everyone has a right to do what they feel is important. What I don't believe is people should be forced. You know, everyone has their own voice and their own mind. God gave, God created us in his own image. There's greatness in all of us. I believe that if someone feels very strong about, uh, making a statement, then you need to respect that statement. Yeah, I think the thing is, is that, Urban, you grew up in a different environment than I did. I grew up in a segregated South. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about that later after your podcast, and we'll discuss that. And I'll hear from Ben Troop, who grew up uh, not as a segregated, but still as a black athlete and someone who has seen it uh, and, and says he's been he lives in Savannah, Georgia, where some of the the kids were gunned down up there, so he knows about it. But you have a different perspective depending on where you come from, uh, and it's just not easy to understand the other person's view, although you say there shouldn't be two views. It's a total thing. As I'm being taught by Ben and my friend Lauren, uh, it's, a, it's a little different perspective from the black point of view. You're not understanding that they feel this has been going on for 200 years, and they say, when is it ever going to stop? And I asked Ben that, and uh, I said, well, what are we going to do? And I don't know what to do. When I called Ben the first time, I said, you know what? I got, I'm ashamed to say I don't have that many black friends, and I don't know what to do to educate myself. And Ben said to me, you've just done the right thing. He and Lauren said, you've done the right thing by calling and talking to them to get their point of view. So perhaps we can teach people or tell people, ask, learn go and hear you as you say what is your you listen and what what's your motto you say listen and learn that's it listen and learn yeah well something buddy that i've taken it upon you know as a personal responsibility in a position of leadership and we talked about this many times is provide hope and opportunity and i don't care if you're black white polynesian you know once hope is eliminated from the equation you're yeah. you're in a bad place and our job as leaders and that includes as a father as a mother, uh, any relationship that you have where you have a leadership ability, you have to provide that person hope. And I've taken it upon ourselves that that hope meant preparing people for life outside of football. That's a job, a career. Do jobs and careers solve all issues? I never said that, but they darn near do. And so that, that's, I've taken that as a personal challenge uh, throughout these hard times 
I used to tell our team that we can't control Baltimore, Ferguson, Illinois, now Kenesha, Wisconsin. We can't control that. What we can't control is how we handle a situation. And that means you get as educated and much experience as you can so you can not only survive in this world, but your voice will become a powerful voice if you believe in something. Well said. Well, uh, Urban, we almost got some football here. And you know what? It's going to be hard is getting people to understand the schedule. <laughs> when you start looking up the schedule online, you say cancel, cancel, cancel. Wait a minute. These games are off. These games are on. Best I can tell by this, apparently there is uh, going to be a, a, a game or two here soon, but not till next week. Now, when does the big news show start and what games are you embracing? We don't have any real meaningful games uh, for a few weeks. My understanding is the Big 12 is going to be our focus. You know, uh, Fox has rights to the Pac-12, Big 10, and the Big 10 has been the big uh, draw the last several years. Last year uh, was just record numbers, not only for our show, but for the broadcasts. Uh, and those go, those games are gone. So we still have the Big 12, and that also includes the uh, uh, great game between uh, Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, we'll have a two-hour show, I'm told, that's going to cover all areas. A lot of, you know, the, the playbook stuff that we did last year about educating the viewer. Uh, when is the exact start date? We're still not finalized on that, but we're mm. we're planning on doing a two-hour show and talking football mm. and and providing the viewer with a release from uh, the what's gone on the last five, six months. Gosh, is it true this is going to be your second year with no football? Am I right? As a coach? Uh, yeah, it's second year. Yeah. How's that going, by the way? It's actually going great. You know, I've uh, really enjoyed my life, enjoyed uh, the family aspect of it. I really have gotten really knee-deep in corporate America, some uh, opportunities, whether it be board, corporate boards, or also just speaking and consulting. Uh, very involved with the Ohio State program still. I enjoy that. And then as an assistant AD and a professor at Ohio State, I get very involved with the uh, – other sports other than football leadership training, and then also to teach a class every Wednesday. Well, <clears throat> I know last time you did TV and I was in your home in Gainesville, you were doing the ESPN and, and you really loved it. Uh, and I remember talking to you about what you might coach again. You were thinking you might do TV for a while. And then along came a certain job in Columbus that you couldn't turn down. So, and by the way, that went pretty well. So I might say so, yeah. uh, Let's let's talk real quick, uh, if we can, to wrap up this podcast part on the best Fridays in football. Later on, we'll hear from uh, some other folks. But I want to talk uh, about these coaches. You mentioned Mullen, Dan Mullen. I want to talk about Dan Mullen and Ryan Day. Uh, Dan Mullen, what can you tell us about Dan Mullen that we don't know that you do know? I think Dan... Uh is one of the smartest people, not just football coaches I've ever been around. Um, the one thing that I teach in our class, and I really believe the best uh, leaders and coaches and corporate leaders I've been around, that they have a very strong core. And core is is Latin for heart. And and that means that they, they have strong beliefs. And they're not just uh, impulsive beliefs. It's well thought out. Dan is a very well thought out person. And I'm not talking about X and O's. I'm talking about human behavior. I'm talking about relationship with his family. I'm talking about 
uh, obviously how to run an organization. Very well thought out. I knew that from a very young age. Because remember, Dan joined me at Notre Dame as a graduate assistant. I know. He became my trusted soldier. I mean, he was my guy that I counted on him for really everything. Uh, Ryan Day, ironically, is from the same state, same area. I think it's Manchester. New Hampshire. And uh, Chip Kelly's from that way. And he has very similar qualities. The thing I don't think, you asked me a question, what people really know about Dan is how tough that guy really is. He's a tough guy, tough skin, tough mentality. Uh, and I appreciate his toughness. And that's why I think he's, that's one of the qualities of a great coach. And I remember some of the conversations that I was gifted to be able to hear some of them on headset when I was working on the book with you that you and Dan had back and forth about what to call. And he wasn't afraid to say what he thought. And I would think that'd be a huge asset for a head coach. Yeah, the worst thing you can have, and I would challenge our coaches, you don't want bobbleheads around that staff room. You know, you don't, if I ask your opinion, don't tell me what I want to hear. I'm asking your opinion. And what happens is you start to develop trust in guys. There's, you know, I'm not being negative, but there's certain coaches I could ask in their opinion because I wouldn't get it. And I, when I ask your opinion, I'm really interested in your opinion, not the narrative, not what I think they want to hear. And that takes guts at times. And the one thing that Dan Mullen and, you know, Dan Mullen, Steve Adazio, Ryan Day, Kyle Whittingham, you know, the best coach, Doc Holliday, uh, Gary Anderson, Charlie Strong, Greg Madison, I could go on and on. The best coaches had that quality. They were very confident in themselves. They, things were really, really well thought out. And Dan and Ryan Day are, are two of the best I've ever been around. Mm. Let's talk about Ryan Day. He's arguably the best young coach in America. He's really he's earned his spurs already. You, what did you see in him when you hired him and put him, elevated him into a position to one day uh, take the reins of the program that you that you brought back for a national championship? What did you see in Ryan Day, and what are we uh, what are we likely to see out of him in the future? Well, it's actually it's, it's kind of funny. Is I when I first hired Ryan Day, I received a little blowback, a little. Uh, criticism. Why would I hire, you know, the guy, Ryan, was at, uh, you know, Temple, then Boston College did a very good job. Then he went the NFL route and got fired his last two jobs. He got fired at the Eagles, and then they went out to San Francisco, and there was, they had a really bad team, and he got fired. And so, uh, you know, uh, a glass house like Ohio State where everybody can see and, you know, what you're doing, the question is, why would I hire Ryan Day? And I knew from my days at Florida, and I followed him in the NFL, actually visited him a couple times, that I was getting a great coach. And then once I had him on our staff, I, I saw incredible talent. And that means, you know, number one, how, how you care about players. Can you recruit? Can you appreciate and respect the traditions at a place like Ohio State if you're not from Ohio? And then obviously a strategy, football X and O, acumen is A+. And I really, you know, Bob Stoops, uh, really did a perfect transition from himself to Lincoln Riley. I have so many great staff members at Ohio State. I didn't want to see anyone lose their jobs. You know, when I left Ohio State, a lot of people left their, or I mean, Florida, a lot of people lost their jobs, and that just wears on you. And so I wanted to have a smooth transition where the infrastructure, who I, in my opinion, is the best in America, they all have jobs, and they still do, and they're, they're thriving right now. Good stuff, Coach. From Urban Meyer, we'll try to do this very often. Urban Meyer and Buddy Martin podcast on the best Friday in football. Let me correct that. Is this supposed to be the best Fridays in football or the best Friday in football? 
the best Fridays, that means you can expect them every Friday. Okay, I like that. We'll have to change the logo. We'll make that work. Have a good week, Urban, and thank you very much, and um, we'll talk soon. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening to Best Fridays in Football, and thanks to Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw. On behalf of director Brendan Martin, producer Andy Billman, and the good folks at Evergreen, I'm Buddy Martin, and these are the Best Fridays in Football. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 